All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for you all. This is our latest episode of Behind the Wheels podcast. I am DJ Artistic. I am a DJ based out here in Los Angeles, California. I would like to introduce you all to my co-host, EB. What's good? What's going on, everybody? I am EB, the musicologist. I am a writer, a content creator, and a blogger based in the planet of Brooklyn. The planet of Brooklyn, New York, and the building. So... This is Behind the Wheels. We talk about everything past, present, and future in regards to black music. So, uh, to get into it, usually we do a wrap-up of everything, you know, the current events that are going on. But in this case, we're going to save all of that for the drop because we have a lot to talk about regarding the 2022 Grammys, which was recently held in Las Vegas last weekend. So, um, just to get into it, uh, our first segment is the Rewind segment. So, we like to talk about artists, producers, you know, musicians from the past, who made an impact on the game that we feel deserve their flowers. So to get right into it, EB, who would you like to highlight for your uh, rewind? I got to highlight one of my all-time favorite vocalists, uh, Miss Allison Williams of uh, New York City. She is okay, yeah. um, like a legend around New York. But, you know, before Uptown had Mary J. Blige and even before Ruthless had Michelle A., Allison Williams was the first lady of Def Jam. So that was around the time everybody was scrambling to get a woman singing over the hip hop beats. Everybody wanted their quote unquote queen of hip hop. So um, so she yeah. was the, actually the first woman signed a first R&B singer signed to Def Jam. And um, her career is just amazing to me. She started singing backup and she was singing backup from everybody melba moore bb and q band unlimited touch even bobby brown and she joined a group called high fashion uh which also featured another singer melissa morgan and they had a song Mm, feeling lucky lately around somewhere around 1982 and um i want to be your everything was another song they had but that group disbanded allison joined another group called affair and then she moved into the solo career so that's when she signed with def jam um in 86 and her first album came out in 87 it was called raw um no i'm sorry it came out in 89 called raw and it was it it was like hot like that was the song just call my name was like the biggest song Mm, on there it was like a quiet storm classic she's performing at the apollo killing it um, she had a song on there with Orange Juice Jones, one with Chuck Stanley. <laughs> hey. Like, <laughs> you know, she. Orange Juice. <laughs> yeah, you know, all of, you know, these were the top of the top back in the day. So she came yeah. in strong. Um, and she even had uh, the song My Love Is So Raw with uh, rapper Nikki D. Um, Just Call My Name was the one that was a hit, like I said. It went to number four. Um, and then there was also a single in the UK, I Need Your Lovin', um, that became a big success for her. Um, my favorite song is one called Not On The Outside. It's a remake of a 1968 song by The Moments. And this is like mm. powerhouse vocals on this song. She's amazing. The whole song beginning to end. She did release a second album called Allison Williams in 1992. Um, and one in 2004 called It's About Time. But other than that, she hasn't reached the heights that she reached, you know, during her debut She's still yeah. touring. She's performing. She recently had COVID. Um, I think it was like life-threatening. Um, and now she's coming back. So she's about to start hitting the scene again. So all love to Allison Williams. Oh, salute to her. She's one of those artists you always see on those um, those like kind of cruise ship type concerts or those throwback concerts where it's Tom like, Joyner royalty. Tom Joyner. <laughs> she really is. So it's like, and she's the type that's usually not the headliner. But then when you see her, it's like, oh, she had some jams back in the day. A lot of stuff, as you said. You don't realize the impact that she had back in that day. No, no idea um, the impact she was making. You know, it was uncharted territory. You know, a woman on a hip hop label releasing an R&B album. So she 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 did what she had to do to open doors for the Michelle's and the Mary J. Blige's of the world to come and, you know, yeah. be those women signed. Those R&B women signed to these hip hop labels. Because that, that was a staple in the 90s, especially late 80s, 90s. It was like if you have a yep. hip hop label... You had to have uh, your your female rapper and yep. your female singer who sang on the rap song. Who sang so. on the yeah, everything yeah. had to be in house, so you didn't have to go yeah. looking for somebody else to sing the hook. You just gonna use your first lady or whatever label this is. Yep, exactly. Was she signed before Orange Juice, or was uh, was he signed first? He was signed first. Um, okay. Well, he was signed to Def Jam first. She Def she Jam, had another yeah. uh, deal with I think Profile Records, and she released one song mm. on there. But um, he was signed to Def Jam first. Okay, okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right, yeah, salute to Allison. So, yeah, for, for uh, my rewind this episode, 
I'm going with the Lost Boys, hey. hip hop group from uh, Jamaica, Queens. Uh, made their impact mainly in the 90s. So for those who might not be as familiar, they were composed of four members back then. It was Spig, Nice, Pretty Lou, Freaky Ty, uh, Rest in Peace, and of course we know Mr. Cheeks. So they came through. I think the first song I remember hearing from them was probably on Rhapsody back in like 95. It was Lifestyles of the Rich and Shameless. And uh, to me, when, when I first heard that, it felt a little bit like, I won't even say naughty by nature directly, but it felt like they had that type of group appeal where you could tell that they were street, but they could appeal commercially. And, yep. and that's basically what they were in that era. I feel like they they were never as commercially successful as naughty. They didn't have the major crossovers, but they had those street anthems that still work commercially, that, that work nationwide at that. So I feel like one of their biggest songs was definitely Renee. Renee was one of those storytelling hip hop classics like... Even though I'm always roast that line about law school, you know, because that's one of the funny. <laughs> I mean, that line talking about uh, I asked her what she went to school for. She said she went to be a lawyer. In other words, she studies law. Shawty studies law. So when I heard that line, I'm like, all right, kind of a circular bar. But anyway, anyway, beyond that, they gave us some hits back in that in that year, '96. They had that music makes me high. They had that Jeeps, Lex, Coops. Beamers and Benz, which was produced by Easy Mo B, who we mentioned in the previous episode. So they came with that heat. Um, they dropped the album. That was all, on, I think, Legal Drug Money back in 96. 97, they dropped the, a, another follow-up. It was uh, Love, Peace, and Nappiness. Didn't have the bangers as the as the previous, but they still had a track, uh, Me and My Crazy World, that got some love on it. And then from there, um, uh, tragically, back in 99, uh, I didn't realize until recently that it was actually a Mr. Cheek's uh, actual birthday party. Freaky Tile was actually murdered, and I never even knew the entire story behind it, but just, I remember how big of a deal that was in, in that era. It was where we had already lost Big Pac and a couple others from gun violence. I think it was after Big L was killed, too. I'm pretty sure it was after Big L, but either way, it was in that era where we started losing rappers from that gun violence, so that was a big impact. But from there, uh, Mr. Cheeks, he went solo, and everybody, I would say uh, the biggest song he had by far was that Lights, Camera, Action. Yeah. That's one of those songs from 2001 that, that still gets play. Uh, it, it might sound funny to you, but in LA, it was a huge clown dance staple uh, for all the crumpers and all that. So when that song come on back in 01, especially that remix, oh. the crump dancers <laughs> just love that. They love that track. I don't know what it was about. It was just the, the really? style of dance went with that song so perfectly. So he had a smash with that one. And he came back with that crush on you and Mario Winans, the little crossover track. And even that track showed me that Chase was one of those types who was a street rapper, but he had that personality, the charisma and appeal that I feel like he could have been even bigger. I'm not sure exactly what happened with it. He had a funny name. Like it still sounds funny when you hear a dude named Mr. Cheeks, but I mean, he had he had that, that type of delivery, that persona. Like he would have those catchy bars here and there. So they still do perform from what I've been seeing. Uh Freaky Ty's son actually replaced him in the group. So Freaky Kai is his son's name and he's been rocking with them. So uh salute to the Lost Boys for sure. I didn't even realize that uh, Freaky Todd was murdered uh, like after Mr. Cheeks's birthday party. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize yeah. it was like that type of thing where like they had all just seen each other and they were just <laughs> together and uh, he was murdered. Yeah. But I mean, to drive your home point about Mr. Cheeks, yeah, like he he had that Busta Rhymes appeal to me, like. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you know, Busta was clearly like the standout from Leaders of the New School, and he could be street but he still had this commercial appeal that took him to the heights that you know where he is now as Busta Rhymes and I think Mr. Cheeks had the same thing and for a while he was he was big you know it, everybody was yeah. on his stuff but I don't know what happened I don't know like why his career did not go as far as somebody like a Busta Rhymes yeah for sure I feel like of course Busta like is a superior rapper like Busta's flow yeah. and he can rock on any beat but even with Cheeks like I never heard him whack on anything. Like I never no. heard a track with Cheeks where I was disappointed. I felt like he held his own. Even on that remix where he had everybody else, he had the Diddy and he had Missy and they all had that charisma on it. And yep. it was his track and everything worked perfectly. I, it, it was a little bit weird having like Sorry Miss Jackson in the chorus because that song was only a year old. So that part was kind of like... Yeah, I forgot. It was, how, it, was, it, was yeah. Yeah, it was like right after that song. Like the song, yeah. it wasn't even like the song was dying down like Outcast was still <laughs> yeah. like hot on the charts. And then, yeah. you know, I guess they was trying to ride the success of the Outcast song. And you yeah, know maybe so. the remix. Maybe so. I the remix was I like the remix. I, I'm always play the remix first. 
Um, I yeah. just can't believe y'all was out there crumping to it. Like that's crazy. Oh, it was crazy enough with, with crumping. If you think about it, in the crump era, most of the music that they danced to was not from the West Coast because the West Coast stuff at that point was all Battle Cat, DJ Quick, Dre. It was all the, all the crib walking and that yeah. type of music. So. The crump anthems were like Timbaland Drop, it was Joe Buggin Pump It Up, it was Yin Yang, uh, uh, Salt Shaker, and Whistle While You Twerk, because they, they had the energy to it. That's crazy. So I, those, I'm trying yeah. to imagine somebody crumping to like Yin Yang Twins, and I, okay. it just, it's not making sense to me. I, I'm going to have to look it up if, on YouTube. If you, or if you see a video, it'll make all the yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm if like, you see it, you, yeah, you get it. The same way, like, you, you've seen... Um, you got served, so it's like same type of. It was, it was all in that area. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, so yep. So so salute to uh, Lost Boys and Allison Williams. So moving on to that fast forward segment, we like to highlight artists who are making waves and uh, making their mark right now in the industry. Who we feel like have some potential to blow up and uh, you know and have success. So for the fast forward segment, Eb, uh, who you highlight for this episode? Gotta highlight. Uh... My boy from Oakland, Illuje, a 25-year-old singer, songwriter, producer, director, and a multi-instrumentalist. He plays bass, guitar, and the keys. Uh, He's trying to learn to play drums, but I just think he's one of those Mm -hmm. dope people who uh, pulls influence from all the genres, and he makes this nice little package. Um, It's easy listening R&B. That's what I consider it. Um, he's influenced by people like D'Angelo, Tribe Called Quest, Music Soul Child, but then also like Bjork and Joni Mitchell and Sampha. Like he he's listening, his ears listening to everything. So his elements of soul, dance, electronic, hip hop, rock in in his albums and his music. Um, his debut album was Gentrify in 2016. Um, hmm. I didn't discover him until 2019. Uh, he had an album Adogio. Um, and I heard the song called Star Child, and that's when he was blowing up big on um, the color scene, doing these live performances for colors. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna follow this kid's career. Um, like, mm-hmm. like I said, he's only 25 right now, so he's a bit younger than. Um, trying to follow his career, see you know what kind of waves he makes. He released an album in 2020, a joint album with J. Rob and Selection called Gems in the Cornerstone, and that's probably my favorite. Like beginning to end, I can put that on, play it. And it's a vibe for any situation. Um, I think he's just that talented where he won't break through because he's too forward thinking. Like he's always, and and his music is too honest. Like his music is real. Um, But his latest album called Circumvent just dropped top of 2022. And the album is dope. He's tackling like these different themes. There's like addiction. He's talking about poverty and capitalism and protest. And I love that. The outro on the album is called Moesha because, number one, of his age. Like, that's what he was watching as a kid growing up, Moesha. A kid kid. Yeah, kid kid. Like, yeah, like a kid kid. But also, um, during the pandemic um, and while preparing for the album, he said he watched nothing but Moesha on repeat. So I like the fact that he's drawing these clear inspirations from different places. And um, like I said, putting it into, like, this nice package of very enjoyable music. Uh, check him out if you get a chance. His name is spelled E L U J A Y, but it's pronounced Eluje. Eluje. I was gonna ask you how do you spell it? Cause okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my first time hearing about him, so I got definitely gotta tap in, especially with him being from Oakland at that. So yeah, that's your boy out there in the West. Yeah, West Coast with it. So gotta see what he has going. So I guess I'm gonna do the opposite. I'm gonna pick somebody who's a new artist from uh, New York. So I'm gonna go with uh, Adeline. So Adeline is a um, Singer and bass player. Um, she was former, formerly in like a, a modern disco group called Escort. She was actually born in Paris. So, you know, um, born in Paris, but actually uh, grew up in Brooklyn. So I, I discovered her recently, actually, in a year, same day, I think I texted you about it. Sent you that screenshot, yeah. like, have you heard this song before? Because I was just going through playlists like I always do. And there was a song that caught my ear called Mystic Lover. And I was like, who is, who is this? And... You know how it is with those playlists. A lot of times you hear a new song, it's fire. You go through the artist's catalog and it's like, all right, that's their only song. Or (laughs) I see where they're going, but it's not really developed yet. But with her, I'm like, oh, wait, she's actually, she has talent. She has uh, albums going back to like 2018. And she has about four or five projects. And the recent one that she has that I listened to is called uh, Adi Oasis. And the whole thing was banging. It was basically kind of a, I guess you call it an EP, like seven songs. But 
every song was strong. It wasn't one of those where you had the song you want to skip. I feel like the whole project was strong. It definitely has a modern kind of funk soul feel. Um, I know we compared it probably to like kind of a Patrice Russian type, um, kind of having that type of sound. I would even say when it comes to modern artists, a little bit like how Ari, Ari Lennox is, because even Ari has kind of an old school yeah. appeal to her. But I feel like Adeline probably lyrically and even more more 70s with it musically, I would say, than, than Ari is. But she has some songs on that album because um, The Mystic Lover was the... The one I heard first, and that's on there. But she also has some tracks called Whisper My Name and Nine. And she has a song that sounds a little bit more modern, kind of like futuristic, that's called Maintain. It has that kind of like Cachinata sound to it. So I'm not sure uh, how how uh, prominent she is in New York or anywhere as far as like, like touring goes, traveling, and performing goes. But just from hearing what she has so far, I'm a fan already. No, uh, when you text me and I listened to that one song, it was like you said, sometimes, you know, you'll hear one song and you'll be like, oh, hey, this is this is nice. You'll go and listen to their full album and you'll be like, oh, OK, well, this was the nicest thing yeah. that they had to offer. But I literally went through all of her albums and I couldn't find a single thing wrong. And I was like, wow. this girl is yeah. amazing. Her voice is amazing. Um, like I like the instrumentation on her albums. And I think some of it is like a 70s feel, like a heavy 70s feel like her music just feels more organic for some reason um yeah and i'm shocked that you know she's basically well you know she's born in paris but from brooklyn because i've not heard of her before you text me and i'm like we got to get this girl's name out there because she's yeah. amazing yeah definitely for everybody who's uh, listening it's spelled a-d-e-l-i-n-e so she's a funk musician representing that in new york so Definitely got a salute to her. So at this time, it's time for our intermission. When we come back, we have a, a special repeat guest. Might be our first repeat guest because we're going to put her in rotation. We're going to make her an official podcaster along with us. So um, stay tuned. Go ahead and grab your drink of water and we'll be right back. All right, we're back to it. This is Behind the Wheels, so this is The Drop. So for The Drop, we do have a, a special guest, uh, formerly worked for Jetta Pinkett, um, you know, for um, the Jetta Pinkett Foundation. <laughs> you really did? <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I had I to. I cannot believe that. Oh, my yep. Lord. All right. Don't nobody <laughs> make no jokes. Ain't yep, nobody no, trying no. to get up. This is a music-based con. Uh, so you just going to set me up. This is a musical <laughs> podcast, you know. This is, you know. All about so the why, music, you know. Why yep, you didn't yep. say I worked for Will Smith then? Uh, you did too, huh? Technically. Technically. All right. All right. Okay. Anyway, she's also worked for... Oh, we got sound effects. I like that. So she's also worked for AEG. She has worked for, you know, for Universal. She's currently at the Orchard. She's a VP there. Hey, uh, the Orchard. Orchard. Okay, the Orchard. Get that there right. Go. Yes. Edit that. Edit that. Edit that. The Orchard. She's currently... Currently works for the Orchard and is also my manager. We've had her on before. We have Mrs. Naledi Sek in the building. So, Naledi, how are you doing? I'm good. How's everybody? <laughs> EB, I'm, I'm ready for you, EB. No, I don't. I listen. I'm. I'm. I know that he's announced that you formerly worked for Jada Pinkett. I ain't got <laughs> no smoke for you because I. I just don't. I don't want nothing. I don't want. Nothing. I don't even understand where we were going with this. Okay. You know I mean, what? I'm gonna get y'all back. Watch. Look, I ain't say anything at all. You know, hey, that was artistic. I was chilling. Mm. I just mentioned, I just mentioned some of your previous accolades. You know, that's all I did. Oh, Spelman graduate, all of that. So that's all. That's all we doing. So you know. Wow. So to anybody who is tuned in, so for this episode's drop, we're gonna talk about the Grammys. Grammys 2002. Uh, I mean, 2022, I should say. Grammys 2022 uh, just happened in Las Vegas and. Uh, our guest uh, right here was in attendance at the Grammys. Uh, she also attended a couple of parties out there. And um, before we really get into it, as far as commentary goes on the Grammys themselves, um, Mrs. Sec, uh, how was your experience out there overall? How how did it feel being in Vegas? Of course, it's usually in L.A. 
I know yeah. it was in New York one year, but usually we have it in LA. But for Vegas, how did it feel for you? Overall, I had a great time. Uh, I think a lot of times we have entertainment events uh, outside of LA. It's just a different feel, a different vibe. And it's almost a little less pretentious because uh, we're kind of all visiting, you know? Um, yeah. So it was, it was easy to kind of hop around, see people go in and out of different events. Uh, the, I think my biggest sort of critique would be just the accessibility of getting into the actual show because it was inside of a casino. So you have mm -hmm. hundreds of people who are not going to the show at this, in the oh, same wow. space as the <laughs> hundreds or whatever going into the show. And so they're either standing there trying to take pictures and look for celebrities or they're just in the way. And, you know, Vegas is one of those things where a whole casino can take you a mile to walk. So it's just, yeah. you know, it's just getting there. Um, but I will say it was a good experience. Our hotel was right next door. So like not complaining on that front. It's just really interesting when you're trying to get in the front door and everyone else is standing mm. there just chilling. Yeah. Um, but overall it was good. It was fun. Lots of industry parties, met a lot of people in person, you know. Um, Def definitely industry parties. So I saw that you were at um, Mr. Lil Nas X's party. So it looked, <laughs> it looked, it looked pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, very, very Lil Nas X-ish, I would say. It did, right? Right. It was. It gave us it little was. elements of like his music videos and a lot of yeah. dancers and poles. And um, it was hey, very, very entertaining. <laughs> But I had a great time. Yeah. I did. I mean, there was, we had, they had a um, Nas and Massapil had a, a private dinner on two different nights, and that's a partner of ours. So I was able to go there. And it was, so it was him and Hip Boy hosting his private dinner. That was really cool to just kind of see him get the love in the room. Um, and, you know, the artists that were there, they all kind of came out and made their rounds and were accessible, which was nice. And then, you know, everybody kind of went and did their thing. So it was fun. Yeah. Definitely sounds like it. I was thinking that because when you said um, it feels kind of like everybody's there for the same thing, being that it's not in L.A. and it's less pretentious, it makes sense. It kind of reminds me of how um, Sundance was. I feel like right. a lot of times whenever you go out of town and everybody is there for the same reason, it's like, you know, everybody there is, is connected versus L.A. It's all the randoms who come just because it's a big event, plus the people who right. already live here and everything right. else kind of like makes it like too diluted. So yeah. It seems like it probably felt uh, more pure in that way. So definitely yeah. good to know that it, it was enjoyable because it was kind of weird moving into Vegas and for it being in April and it's always in January, February usually. So yeah, definitely was a, a switch up, but definitely sounds like it was a, a great time at the actual show. So getting into the show itself, um, a lot of things happen this year. It's, it's a whole lot to talk about to where I'm like, where do we even start? Um, I'll just start here because you mentioned Nas. I was hyped to see Nas performing uh, one mic 21 years after it was released, performing that at the Grammys was fire. Cause I feel yeah. like at that time when it came out, we wouldn't have seen that happen. That, that wouldn't have even been an option to see Nas yeah. perform live at the Grammys. Yeah, so I was agreed. Yeah, I was definitely hyped seeing that. So as far as the um, performances aside from that, we all know Silk Sonic always holds it down. So I remember when uh, <laughs> I first heard the album, I was saying that 777 was probably my least or second least favorite song. It's not that I disliked it. It's just that I didn't really care for it. But I could Same. tell I could tell it was going to sound good live. I could just tell that that type of beat, that type of energy, like, would not translate on the actual album. And seeing it live, yeah. that's, what it that's what happened. I already knew it was going to be that type of song. And seeing them infuse that with the Soho Hot music, I'm like, yeah. So I'm definitely anxious to see them, see them in, uh, in, in person, in concert. Yeah, I thought that was a great opening. I did see them in concert this weekend. I forgot mm -hmm. to mention that. I, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> they are. They had their Vegas residency, so uh, I actually hopped over there after the Grammy Black Music Collective event, which I should have mentioned earlier because that was really great. That was a, a okay. great sort of inaugural event to honor Black music by the actual Recording Academy. So that was mm -hmm. amazing. But then, really capping a night off with Silk Sonic. I mean, that album is just, it, oh, oh my God. The experience yeah. live, like like you said, I think you've said it a few times, but it was made for live performance, I think. And yeah. um, the crowd loved it. They're still there. People should go check it out if they can. They also infused a little bit of their own stuff. Um, 
because people mm. kind of assumed they wouldn't, but the album's pretty short. So I was like, no, yeah, they have give to. me some of this time. <laughs> they had to, they <laughs> so, had to yeah. do that. Yeah. Give yeah. me some time. <laughs> and yeah. it was good though. So I, I enjoyed it. Definitely rocking with them. So yeah, getting into the actual um, awards uh, and, and going from that with Bruno. So the first thing to mention is that we see that uh, as Anderson joked about, uh, it was hard to be humble because that's a clean sweep. They got they went four for four with that. So still Sonic got all those awards. They got record of the year and song of the year, of course, and they they killed it. So uh, one thing that I read yesterday is that basically it feels like uh, I'm not sure what to compare it to, but essentially. I don't think Adele has lost anything since I think 2008 and the last time Bruno lost anything in the Grammys was 2012 which was to Adele. So they're saying that because of the whole Grammy schedule next year uh both of their albums are going to probably be up for album of the year and right. people are already asking which one of them is probably going to lose or win at that point. But um with that um yeah so what do, what do y'all think about that as far as Bruno being somewhat of like a Grammy darling at this point? EB EB. <laughs> EB, yep, okay. Yep, yep. You know what? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I was trying to, you know, just chill a little <laughs> bit, you know, not trying to make no big moves. Um, oh, yeah. I don't really have any thoughts. I mean, when it comes to next year, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure both will probably be nominated. Um, I can't tell you what Adele deserves because I don't really listen to Adele. <laughs> So I think yeah. if he wins next year, I will be totally fine with that. Um, like Nalady was saying earlier, like she's she got to see them live. And when I first heard the album, I just wasn't into it. I'm still not necessarily into it. But whenever I see them perform it live, it's like the energy from the live performances is kind of amazing. Not just, you know, the energy they're expelling, but to see the energy from the audience and the crowd and, you know, I, I've never, you know, performed live in front of thousands of people, um, but I can only imagine what that feels like to get that energy from the crowd and everybody's in tune and everybody's giving it back to you. So if that's the case, it's well deserved. Uh, you already know how I feel about Silk Sonic and and uh, Bruno. Yeah. You know, I ain't got no problem with uh, with Anderson. Um, but you know, yeah. I got you know, me and Bruno got a little beef. We gonna get it straightened out this year though. We ain't going. Little beef, little yeah, beef. yeah. You know, right. we uh, we gonna get a Yanlo on the line. Um, you know, Tyler Perry and Denzel. You know, we gonna we gonna, we gonna, we gonna fix it. Yeah, we gonna have to get some fixers. We gonna have to get fixers. We gonna have to get fixers. <laughs> I mean, we might need that to happen. And, and with that, so that, that moves on to an article I saw yesterday. Um, I saw an article that basically said that um, the Grammys, um, so the, the whole the whole uh, premise was saying the Grammys tried to be unpredictable by awarding a lot of black um, artists with awards this year, a lot more than usual, but they still mm. ended up being predictable in the sense of they award the black artists who make the most what they call sanitized <laughs> Motown 60s, 70s sounding music. Yeah. And with that, that leads into John Batiste winning the album of the year. So I'll mm. I'll say it first, just to be um, just to be all the way honest. I had never heard of him before before the weekend, um, before Sunday even. So it's like when uh the lady told me who he was, uh our friend Ashton Horch from the Grammys told me who he was. He worked, I think, for uh, Stephen Colbert, Colbert's show. How you, Colbert? How you, Colbert? Yeah, Colbert. Colbert. Yeah. So he, he was, I guess, the MD for that show, and uh, so that's my first time ever hearing of him, seeing him live perform there. So seeing him live, I said, okay, I could tell he's the type who has talent. He could play piano, he could sing, whatever. And then I listened to the album, and the album, when I listened to it, it was kind of like I get what the article was saying. I'm not saying I agree or disagree directly. <laughs> I'm saying that just listening to it. It personally is the type of album that I have no problem with. I I like the content of it. You can tell he's talented, but it personally personally does not hit me. So that doesn't mm -hmm. mean anything, obviously, because he obviously has fans. He's nominated this, this, and that. But what, what was Joe said about that? Like, EB, had you heard of him before? Yeah, I've heard of him, and I actually heard the album. And like you, I don't have any problems with the album. Like it's a, it's a, it's a good album. It's I guess it's nice. Um, I, you know, like, um, I just couldn't understand what made that particular album win album of the year. Like I, 
I don't know. I was happy that um, he had some heavy hitters attached to his album. I think Mavis Staples was attached. So, you know, you got yeah. some legends. PJ Morton is on it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you other people benefited from that, too. I just still I just somebody going to have to tell me what's what about that album made that album of the year? Because most people have never heard the album, let alone him. Most people have never heard of him. Um, in this uh, mm-hmm. music scape we're in right now, um, I'm hoping he'll get more exposure after this, and people will tap into his music because he is talented. I, I don't want to take any of that away from him. I just didn't understand yeah, why yeah. that particular album was album of the year. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's kind of what the article was saying. I, I mean, I do kind of get it. So the article was saying that they did make the right calls when it came to a lot of the other categories. Like everybody was happy that Jasmine Sullivan got uh, two finally. Like we're hype about that. So um, that was definitely a good call to me um, when it came to Tyler getting the rap album of the year. So even with that, it's a good call to me. I still understand why he would win over other artists, but I know that a lot of true rap rap fans, especially just to be all the way blunt, a lot of black people are not huge fans of Tyler, and I feel like they should be. Yeah. I feel like he has major talent, but a lot of black folks do just kind of see him as kind of a weirdo, and they don't really respect him for what he is. But overall, it's always going to be those who are – who are, I would say, primarily hip-hop fans, even over R&B and jazz, whatever else that Tyler can do, they might not really agree with that. But for me personally, I mean, and he's L.A., so of course I'm, I'm riding for that. But, yeah, when it came to um, John Batiste, I think that does kind of show what... I get what they mean about uh, the Grammy darlings are the ones who, like, whether they're minorities, such as Bruno, who make black music, are the black ones who do make the music that is more acceptable. And it's like, I feel like he was a good pick because it's like... Oh, we picked somebody who made a a musical album that's talking about positive things. He's talking about the pandemic. He's talking about Black Lives Matter. He has, you know, positive content. It's very easy to listen to. It's easy to to digest. So it's like he's talented, but you're not hearing anything that's too overly complex, anything that's really going too heavy-handed, that's going too deep. So I feel like it does make sense. And overall, I would say I'm not like I'm not at all mad about the pick. It's just that, as we said, I had never even heard of him. And for me, I'm not arrogant enough to say that me not hearing of somebody means that it's discrediting them. Because a lot of folks right. might say, I never heard of somebody. It means that they're nobody. I don't see it that way. It's just that for me, being somebody who's in the music at this level, who tries to find new artists every day, I just never heard a mention. So if anything, it shows that whoever his target fan base is not who who I am. I, I would say that much. I, I gotta true. agree. Like his, because he's been making music for a, a long time. He's been making music for a minute. And. Uh-huh. Through all of this, like I've never seen or heard, even heard his name mentioned when it comes mm. to like the black award shows. Like BT yeah, ain't yeah. talking about them. Uh, NAACP, uh, they may have mentioned him once or something. And then you know, like he's musical director for uh, Stephen Colbert, so that yeah. in itself is getting him this total different audience that is not necessarily. Yeah. The yeah. audience that um, will listen to uh, Silk Sonic or will listen to Jasmine Sullivan or her, so he already mm-hmm. has a built-in fan base, um, and I, 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 I liken it to the Roots. Like the Roots had their fan base before they went and joined uh, Jimmy Fallon, so yeah, sure. they just gained, you know, an extra audience, extra uh, audience to join. They're already, you know, we all are Roots fans. Their core. But for him, I think it's opposite. I think most of the people know him from Stephen Colbert. And Mm, that's why it didn't translate in the exact same way as it does with The Roots. It's because we weren't built, like, with him, we we just kind of catching on. With The Roots, we were built in. We've been here. Roots is Philly all day, Mm -hmm. every day. I don't even know where he's from, um, sadly. Louisiana, crazy enough. Okay, yeah. okay, well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay, um, it, like I said, he's a great instrumentalist. He's, you know, he's he's great. I just somebody gonna have to explain to me why that <laughs> album. Like it's 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 yeah. gonna bother me. Like that album of all <laughs> albums, that yeah. album. Why that album won? I mean, if you saw his reaction, he felt like us. He was <laughs> he really stopped and looked like me. Like like how how did you know? So so salute to him all day. So I'll say that much. So speaking of some more winners, so. Uh, I would say in a somewhat of an opposite type of way, Soja, S-O-J-A, they won the uh, album of the year in the reggae category. And they are a group that is 
a mixture of whites and other non-black artists who are from Virginia. And they won the reggae album of the year. So when I saw it, like before I even looked at the Twitter comments, I just posted. I was just like, like, I don't want to sound ignorant. I just said, look, can somebody tell me if they get that stamp of approval from actual reggae and dancehall artists? Does the community of reggae artists and in particular, does Jamaica actually like rock with them? Like, who are they? What are they? Because I, I said, you know, just in that commercial break after they won, I went to title real quick. I played five of their songs. And what I said was that they sound like if they're doing karaoke at a bar in Long Beach, I would say, all right, this is cool. You know, that's that's cool. They sound kind of decent. But for them to actually be considered as true, pure reggae to the fact that they're beating Sean Paul and then Spice for these types of awards, I was like, I don't know. You know, I don't want to be the one to say it because I'm not from Jamaica. I'm not what I would consider myself to be a huge reggae fan to where I know reggae albums. I play dancehall reggae songs all day, but I really can't tell you five reggae albums I've heard in full just to be all the way blatant with it, you know, because it's a culture. As uh, you know, as our producer, uh, Melissa, even said, reggae is a culture and not just a genre. So to me, for them to win that, you know, I just didn't want to be the one to comment. But from what I saw from actual reggae dancehall fans who are of the culture, they were not happy about it. So... Um, man, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever seen Brown Sugar. I just think about uh, Ren and Ten, the hip hop Dalmatian. <laughs> um, it's, it's, that's the only thing I could think of. And, um, you know, yeah. it, it, it also reminds me of um, the, the year that uh, Macklemore uh, won. Macklemore. Macklemore, yeah. mm -hmm. thank you. I can't even say mm -hmm. the name. It won't, my God won't let me do it. Um, <laughs> it, it you know, it. It reminds me of that moment. And like to your point, yes, reggae is a culture, but I think the same thing that we saw happen with hip hop is now happening with other genres and reggae is one of those included because hip hop, mm. you know, essentially is a culture. Like it's not yeah. necessarily yeah. a genre, it's true. but yeah. um, it's the, the genre is what's become commercialized and is now a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, while the culture is, it's still very real in some places, but the same people mm. who are the faces of the genre, most people in the culture have never heard of or would not co-sign. Mm. I think it's the same thing with mm. um, these beautiful, beautiful non-melanated people. Um, most people like in that. the reggae culture <laughs> are kind of like, really? Like, if today, uh, you know, today um, Adele was up for best R&B performance against Jasmine Sullivan. I think most yeah. R&B fans will be like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Like, huh. it, it, have we gotten yeah. so far removed from um, what's really R&B or what's really hip hop or what's really reggae? Um, but like you and maybe that lady as well, I can't make that call because I'm not, a part of the reggae culture. Now I listen to yeah. the genre. I have friends who are part of the culture. Like I, I will go to listen. I will go to the parties. I on uh, yeah. West Indian Day here in Brooklyn. I will be oh, out no. on Eastern Parkway all day, every day, eating everybody jerk. I'll you know give me give me that curry goat. You know that's me. But oh, okay. when it comes to Oxtails like on deck. listen, we know we know how no oxtail, no sauce. <laughs> um, when it when it comes to like talking about the real culture i don't know anything i don't know enough to make a, a judgment and feel right with that like yeah. it just don't feel yeah. right to me that's like somebody trying to tell me what r&b is or somebody trying to tell you know a clark sister what gospel is like that don't make sense yeah that's that's yeah. how i saw it so i felt like i didn't really want to make the commentary. That's why I just asked the question to everybody else to let them kind of explain. <laughs> so one thing I did learn is that there's something that's called Cali Reggae, I guess. And I, I was mad that it's called Cali Reggae because I'm like, what is that even? You know, we already get looked down on being that California is seen as like the sanitized black folks who are not as black as they are in the South and the East Coast. We know how people talk anyway. Mm. So when, wow. I heard, when I heard that term, I was just like, why does it have to be called that? And they said it's an actual <laughs> subgenre that is all these non-black artists out there who who are making that same type of style reggae and i had no idea that it was a thing so people were saying that it's actually mm. some artists who are talented but it's just kind of a sub-genre within reggae and i'm just like all right i guess and i mean yeah so 
I mean, I'll say that I'm happy that they were not from Cali at that point because that would have been an even bigger shot. Like, they're not even from, from the East Coast at all, even though Virginia is the South, technically. But, you know, either way. I so mean, I, yeah. yeah, it just – it. I think anytime anything like this happens, we're just gonna, always going to say, like, culture vulture. Like, you, yeah. you're really getting in and um, you're – I don't want to say profiting, but you are definitely – making strides that people who are in the culture, who have been longtime reggae artists, who, you know, live, eat, sleep, and breathe reggae, you're reaching heights that they're not reaching, um, and they yeah. may never reach. And that's where it gets weird for me because it's like, well, you know, who? but who am I to say that, you know, they shouldn't win? You know, I'm, I ain't nobody, um, but <laughs> I, I just, hey. yeah, they should Well, you know won. what? Spice, I think Spice was the first female nominated for the category. So there was a lot of like really? sort of hope for her to win as well. Um, but yeah, Wait, I don't the, have nothing else to say. The, the first female for that category ever? ever? I thought so. There was like wow. some hype around her. Really? We can look it up right now, though. Listen, yeah. I believe you, wow. though. I'm just like, look, wow. Yeah. There yeah, was something I mean, about it where they were really, you know, it was like, this is groundbreaking opportunity if she actually wins this, but really, okay. I mean, wow. but I, feel like a, I've, yeah. Yeah, I only know yeah. if I'm like loving hip hop. I know it from TikTok. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, it says that the Jamaican's singer Spice is the first female hardcore dance hall artist to be nominated for a Grammy in best really? reggae album category. See? I wonder that if it's new. Yeah, I wonder if it's a new category. If that's the point, or if that's the case, and then I mean, usually it's a Marley in there all the time. It's always right. a Marley <laughs> they all, all the time. They yeah. all men, you know. They, you know, it's always going to be yeah, a Marley. That's true. Always, that's true. it's like a gospel thing. It's always going to be a Winans. Like the family yeah, right. is so yeah. big. Like you never know who's uh -huh. related to who, or you know, it's probably people who yeah. don't even have that last name in real life who just take it on the <laughs> stage names because yeah, it's that, like, well, yeah. this name will help me get. You know, far so I yeah. That's just crazy yeah. that she's the first one. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was wow. like. Hold up, like the first first. I mean, it's been a million. I mean, going back to the, the Diana Kings and way before that, the, yeah. you know, the the eighties reggae dancehall artists. So it's <sighs> crazy to hear. I mean, I'm not sure how long the category's been around, of course, but still, just for her to be the first is wild. So, so yeah. So uh, moving along with that, I guess on the flip side of that, of that uh, we actually had a, a black female duo who won. Uh, uh, the best uh, pop duo group performance. And that was the first time a black female duo ever won that. So it was definitely dope seeing that with Doja and uh, SZA. I'm not sure about uh, SZA and her crutches. I felt like she had these crutches, but she was kind of walking. I'm like, I She had split. them crutches. Them crutches didn't touch that ground once, but them heels, both of them were on the ground <laughs> while the crutches were kind of like just stuck under her arms. So they didn't even touch the ground. And... I, there is actually a clip I want people to go look uh, for. I saw it on TikTok. I'm like, Melissa. Um, where there's this girl saying, I thought we all knew that SZA just lies for no reason. And she was pulling up examples from wow. the past of like SZA saying one thing, but then this being the real thing. So I can't say if the girl was really hurt or not. I will say I love that song, though. Um it's yeah. crazy. I, I like Doja Cat, which is like the craziest thing that I'm probably going to hear myself say all of 2022. Um, <laughs> but I was happy to see yeah. them win. But then when she walked, when she walked, not hopped or hobbled, but when she walked like a person with two perfectly fine ankles on stage, I was like, you don't even need the crutches. Like, why the theatrics? Just take the award and go home. Yeah, I was like, I mean, she's doing doing a lot, but you know, hey, I, hey. It's all about the theatrics, you know? Yeah. That's all, that's all it's about. So they won that. So, of course, I was hyped about the uh, best hip-hop performance. That was uh, Baby King. And and with that, Kendrick basically, for what I know, he writes most of King's stuff and he's featured on it. So uh, I think it is dope that um that once Macklemore got out the paint, um the Grammy said, oh, so I guess we have to get everything to Kendrick. So basically, whatever Kendrick is up for nowadays, he wins, even if he's like in the background of it. So... It was dope seeing that. For a lot of folks who didn't realize it, uh, Baby Kim is from Vegas. So for him to be able to win that Grammy and what might end up being the only Grammys in Vegas, at least it's the first one that's ever happened, and who knows if it'll ever happen again, the fact that he's able to win in Vegas at, at home was dope to me, and he just had that humble persona. So I was happy to see that for sure. 
Listen, I thought you were about to say the fact that it's the only Grammy he'll ever win. So I'm glad I you didn't. Nah. My heart no, stopped like, just nah. a little bit. I was like, oh. No. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> said, nah. wait a minute. Yeah. No, I'm definitely not about to. No. Nah. Nah, I but, Kim, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I was I was happy to see um, the win. Um, and I think Kendrick, just anything he's attached to now, he is that hip-hop Grammy darling at this point. You know, uh, he's total yeah. opposite of... Um, Nas in the beginning of his career yeah, who was sure. winning nothing and I think the Grammys are really just trying to make up for that these past couple years because every year for the past couple years I feel like Nas is either nominated performing you know he's he's always there um just to make up for the fact that you know he gave us like 20 years of like quality music and for whatever reason never won huh. um I yeah. I, I feel like I want to vote. Like, I want to be a part of the Grammy committee um, and vote for some of these people. And there are people that I would vote out. So just be <laughs> like, no, well, you, well, you're not well. even eligible to, you you know, <laughs> you got to go. Yeah, I feel it with that. So, I mean, all you got to do is um, become an artist or producer, get your credits up, and then See, we got you in there. Yeah. All right, I'm going to work on this falsetto yeah. and I'll be yeah, ready. You you went to Howard. You had the even if you weren't in the choir, you had friends who were in choir. Listen, the crazy thing notes. is, yeah. I do actually sing. I can do it, but oh. but oh. hold up, like nobody hold wants on. that. That like it's a lot. Like it's a whole why don't lot. We, we want it. We want why it. Don't Listen, we? nobody. No, I no. I'm saying no. no, no, not we not not, not not y'all. I meant for me. Like the attention that comes with like being an artist and singing and people always putting you on the spot and sing this, or can you sing this or do this? I'm yeah. like, nah, I don't like to be that visible. I get it. I get it. Well, you could just do it for us. Yeah. Do it. Come on. I got it's y'all just, in a private one yeah. night just only. Just the four um, of us. Vegas it's just residency. us. It's just us right now. No one's, All right, no one's listening. It's just us. I know. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, I don't, <clears throat> yeah, go. I need a <laughs> lozenge. We waiting. We waiting. You know, I can't do it right now. <laughs> you know, excuses build bridges to nowhere. Oh, mm. wow. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Melissa's coming with them shots. So I hey, got, hey. listen, Melissa, I will call Will bang, Smith. Bang. Don't. Don't do this. Oh, all right, all right, Evie. All right. I'll, call, I'll, call, I'll call Jada. She's scared. Exactly. Oh, She's the boss. Uh -huh. You're right. You're right. She She's right. my sorority sister, so you know. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. I didn't realize that either. Me either. And, this and, makes and, a lot of sense. The lady, the lady still got some plugs. Hey, the lady still got her plugs from her former job. It too, makes a so. lot of sense. It makes so much it sense. It does now. It does now. I didn't know that. I, never, I, I didn't even know that. she pledged, so I didn't. Wow. She okay. must be honorary, right? She's honorary, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be scared okay. to give her honorary too. She don't play. I'm right. done with y'all. <laughs> salute to Jada. That's a wrap. Salute to everybody. In, salute know, to everybody. In the industry. All day. All day. So it is about that time since we already have our producers on, Melissa and the lady. Um, it is time for what we call beat match. We have this. At the end of each and every episode, we like to take two, whatever it could be. It could be artists, producers, albums, eras. It could be two artists, kids, whatever it is, or families, whatever it could be at that level. We take those and we compare them to each other. Me and EB take sides. We each have a three-minute argument. We have two rebuttals, and then we have our producers, Melissa and the lady. They give us their verdict on who they think will come on top in that battle, so... In this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, today, um, um, of course, y'all are listening after we've made the episode, obviously. But, you know, I'll say we had Pharrell birthday, Pharrell Williams. It was Pharrell Williams' birthday uh, earlier this month. So um, that gave me an idea that EB did mention before. Um, basically, Pharrell has produced so many songs for so many artists, just like Timbaland has. We actually had a um, Neptunes vs. Timbaland one time. And let's kind of, I say for this episode, we can kind of flip that a little bit. So... EB, who would you say Jay-Z made better songs with? Oh, Pharrell man. and the Neptunes or Timbaland? If you think about all the stuff that he's made with each of them, going back to, I would say, his first song with either of them had to be around 99, 2000. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's Pharrell. It's the Neptunes all the way. You know, I don't want nobody to hate because I'm saying Pharrell like I'm forgetting that the Neptunes are an actual group, but... Um, yeah. His work with Pharrell specifically just kind of sticks out for me. So I, they get the edge. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm not mad either way. I mean, as a DJ, I'm always playing those songs all the time. But 
Y'all know I'm always I'm always Team Timbaland. I love Pharrell. He's probably two or three to me, but Timbaland, I just feel is like different levels. So with that, EB, I'll let you go ahead and uh, give your uh, argument. So why would you why would you pick Jay and Pharrell slash the Neptunes over Jay and Timbaland? Um, my main reason is a simple reason. I feel like when Jay Z works with Pharrell or the Neptunes, um. It's always some groundbreaking stuff. Like it's Jay Z was Jay Z before either of them were who they were. But you know, as many hits, I think he had like two, maybe three hits with Timberland by the time he first worked with the Neptunes. But I still think um, uh, I just want to love you, give it to me was like the first time that I, in real time, noticed. You know, Jay Z is changing. Like he's crossing over. And it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was other people know who Jay-Z is now. Um, like the, the little girls I went to school with who didn't have any melanin in their skin <laughs> knew Jay-Z after this song became um, what it was. And then the video and everything, it was it was I noticed that Jay-Z was becoming Jay-Z with Pharrell. But on top of that, I think they have this chemistry where when Jay and the Neptunes work together, you actually get to uh, hear and see the Neptunes and you feel that chemistry a, a bit differently than you do with Timberland. I feel like a Timberland song is a Timberland song. Um, you know, for no matter who he makes the song for a Justin Timberlake song, uh, a Nelly Furtado song, um, even an Aaliyah song. I feel bad for saying that. But no matter who he makes the song for, you know, it's it's just a Timberland song. Um, that's not a bad thing. That means he has a signature sound, but I feel like the Neptune's signature sound is one of those that just goes way harder. Um, and I don't think that any Timberland song with Jay-Z can be put up against a song with Pharrell and the masses choose a Timberland song. I just don't see that happening. Um, not to say that I don't love Timberland and Jay-Z, but I don't see people choosing Jay and Tim over Jay and the Neptunes. Uh, so here, here's how I say it. So before I even get, get into the main point, I still remember being in class back in like early 99. I hadn't bought volume two yet, but somebody let me use it on there. I mean, for my personal, for my Sony 42nd anti-skip CD player, that was my Christmas gift. I remember being so hype about that. I'm playing the album for the first time, and I'm just going through songs. This song's cool. This song's straight. And this one song comes on, and I'm like, hold up. What am I listening to? I remember those drums came in with the craziest drum pattern, and uh, that was that Jigga What, Jigga Who. I remember when I first heard that track, of course, it, like looking back, yeah, it was basically a flip of what Timbaland did for Tears to You and for One in a Million. And with that, I get what you're saying. Timbaland has a signature sound that he can make the same type of beat for those three artists who are totally different. But it's still different enough because Jigga, what Jigga, who couldn't have been on top of one in a million as far as the chords on there are Cheers to You because Cheers to You had those gospel chords on it, I feel like, and had changes on it. The instrumentation alone, even with a similar drum pattern, still matched to, to what Jay-Z was doing. And I never heard Jay-Z rap like that. I feel like Timbaland completely changed the way Jay-Z saw himself rapping because before that, it was always the same kind of like... 90-ish BPM, maybe 86 BPM up to 100, you know, same kind of dope boy flow, you know, whether it was him him and Sauce Money or Big L, whoever he was rapping with in the mid-90s, he had that straight East Coast flow. But then when he got on this Timbaland beat, it made him figure out, I have to rap totally different. It took him back to the days of him and Jazzo doing Originators and Hawaiian Sophie, but in a whole different way because they were uh, rapping faster when they first came out in 89, 90, because that was the style back then. So for him to have a beat where he's rapping fast, but at a whole different tempo and he killed it, that kind of opened up Jay-Z in a whole different way. So that leads to Big Pimpin'. So what you said about, I just want to love you, give it to me, is what I feel about Big Pimpin'. I feel like Big Pimpin' came, and when you heard that, I remember hearing that for the first time. Like, And that's the thing about these songs with um, Timbaland. I, I remember where I was at at that exact moment. I remember being on the hill, going up to my school, about to make a right turn. My boy Garrett was driving in his Corolla, the white Corolla. Then he had no subs, but he had he had an EQ gangster mode where the lows was just mixed a little bit higher, so it felt like a subwoofer. And I hear a big pimping, and I'm like, what is this? Just hearing that Indian type of beat with that bounce to it. 
Jay-Z rapping crazy, and you can argue that, okay, yeah, Pimp C did get him. <laughs> Pimp C had the better verse, we know that. But even beyond that, a, a lot of folks in the South have actually said it, which I didn't really believe at first, but enough of them have told me, that's the song that brought Jay-Z to the South. I didn't personally believe it because on the West Coast, we were rocking with all that, Hard Knock Life, we were rocking with um, even the first single, Ain't No Niggas with, uh, with Foxy, all that. We rocked with that in LA, but a lot of folks in the South said they were not really Jay-Z fans, and so he got with UGK, and it makes no sense because Pimp C was not even hyped about doing that song. As we see in the video, Pimp C didn't even go to the island with Jay-Z. He stayed home and put on the, the uh, mink, and of course, the whole famous quote about, and no t you know, TV ain't got temperature came from that. So, no, yeah. Good. No, it, that make, and that makes total sense. I think um, my part of the South, because the South is so huge, my part of the South, we were rocking with Jay-Z from... Um, Actually, since Reasonable Doubt, we've been rocking with Jay-Z, but he wasn't um, what we would put on and what we would go to until we heard him, you know, later in 98, 99, I think it was, 99 probably. Um, him and Tim, they do good work together. Like, I'm not going to lie. They do great work together. Um, I think the thing is both Tim and Pharrell or the Neptunes are all from Virginia. So you're just getting uh, two different styles of this Virginia music. Um, and the Neptunes, they have this huge um, pop appeal without making it sound like it's pop or selling out or even too commercialized. Like I've never heard um, Jay-Z and Pharrell and said, oh, Jay-Z's selling out. What I will say is I've heard him and I've said, you know what, this is different. This is a different direction. You know, stuff like, even when he was on um, Frontin' with uh, Pharrell, it was kind of like, you know, okay, Jay, like, this don't exactly make sense, but the song's so hot, I can't deny. It's not even your song, but it's so hot, I can't deny it. I think uh, Jay and Timberland, they make the same thing over and over. Um, they 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 kind of make the same type of song, and people love what they're used to they love familiarity and it's familiar to them i'm not saying that all their songs sound exactly the same but it's the same formula that they pick up you know it's um it's uh <laughs> I, I didn't want to bring up the indian the indian flute or nothing because you know I, <laughs> you know tim might be feeling a little weird about that but it's that same thing that we get over and over it's tim's style uh i wouldn't say so i mean so early on yeah so I mean, even compare Jigawa Jigahoo to Big Pimpin', they're both uh, similar, close enough BPM, but they're a totally different production. Like, Jigawa is all them hi-hats, those, those crazy patterns, while Big Pimpin' is the Indian sample. Now, uh, is that your chick? That, even that was a little bit different, but that might have a little bit more in common with Jigawa, but even that was different. That was more of a symphonic type, you know, strings on there. But then he also gave him Hola Jovito. That had a, a little different bounce, you know. Uh, he gave him uh, Hey Poppy, which was different. And then everything else, he, you know, he had Snoopy track, even uh, It's Hot, the one where he dissed uh, 50 Cent, you know, I'm about a dollar, what, you know, is 50 Cent. Even on that track, that's a whole different feel from those. And then I will say this, uh, Jay-Z's last major club record in the last 15 years as a solo, rec so solo song that was probably the biggest, I would say, for him was Tom Ford. And a lot of folks forget about Tom Ford because it kind of came and went, I would say, because... It was so big, but in 2000, what was that, 2013 when that came out? I remember when it came out on that, um, whatever, was that the Samsung release that he had? Where everybody got the uh, the album? I remember Tom Ford, I remember Homecoming season that year, that's all you heard. I know people who went to Howard Homecoming and said, every day party you went to, you heard Tom Ford four or five times. So Tom Ford was the last huge song that, that Jay-Z had, period, and that was him and Timbaland. So I feel like even that kind of shows that Tim has been able to adapt to the the styles and the sound and has given them different stuff. So even when he had, even that same album, you know, folk can be, uh, you know, I got it with uh, Jay-Z and Ross. That, that was Timbaland. And that was, that was definitely a banger. And that, that track, I think the story was that it was initially for Rick Ross. And they said, the story is if Jay-Z hears something in the studio and he likes it, he's like, Hey, that's your song. <laughs> nah, I'm Devo. It's mine now. So that's what happened with that one. So I feel like, like with those type songs, like he definitely showed his, his range with it. And then even those features, even like One Minute Man, that was Missy's track, but Timberland produced that. And hearing Jay got off on that, that was a whole different song. Uh, yeah, back to you. No, that, that makes total, you make you make uh, great arguments. I think um, 
Timberland giving Jay his last um, like huge club banger is excellent. But you know, like with the Neptunes, that was the first time Jay had a number one song in the hip hop R and B charts. So it was it's it's whether you prefer the latest or the first. And I'm more of a person like I like that inaugural difference. I think. There's so many songs that Pharrell and uh, Jay have done together, or the Neptunes and Jay. I keep saying Pharrell, but it's <laughs> the Neptunes have done together. Yeah. You got on. Um, I just want to love you, of course. Give it to me. But you got ape shit. You got fronting. You got change clothes. You got I know. Excuse me, miss. You know. You got allure. Nice. You got nigga, please. And then you got like lift off. Like I think Jay and Pharrell have a chemistry. Um, that reminds me more of the chemistry that um, MCs used to have with their DJs. It's just um, he's a producer and not necessarily his DJ. I have to get it. I mean, and with, with Timbaland, I feel like he had just, just as much heat. I mean, I already mentioned the tracks like Big Pimpin' and It's Hot. He also did that Holy Grail. He did that, uh, you know, Come and Get Me. You know, he did the, I mean, we all saw that um, Fade to Black. And that's probably everybody's favorite segment is seeing him in Timbaland. And crazy enough, I personally feel like he didn't even pick the best beats that Timbaland gave him because... Uh, one of those beats ended up being the potion for, for Ludacris, and one beat went to Brandy, but either way, he picked that dirt off your shoulder. So it showed that even with that, Timbaland had so much heat for him that sounded different. He gave him that that Snoopy track, you know, is that your chick, Jigga what, Jigga who? Like, I feel like overall, um, uh, oh, and The Bounce, the, the first song we heard Kanye rap on for the most part, that was Timbaland right there. And uh, we all just saw the uh, Genius documentary, so... Overall, I feel like Timbaland's always been able to adapt. And you talk about Pharrell having Pharrell and Chad. I say the Neptune <laughs> having the inaugural hit, but Big Big Pimpin became Big Pimpin came before uh, he had the number one with them. So that kind of built up to Jay Z getting to that level. And then for Timbaland having that last one with him, on top of features like Sugan Sugan Tie, he had Sugan Tie with Timberlake too. So overall, I feel like it can go either way. Sugan <laughs> Tie was huge too. Everybody everybody auntie was two stepping to it. Yeah, so, yeah, it's one of those that can definitely go either way. But I feel like. I'm going to rock with that Timbo. So overall, let's take it to our producers. So uh, Melissa and the lady, I'm sure, of course, you already know, the lady had a concert experience where she saw Jay go in his bag. He was mm-hmm. rapping on top of Just Blaze beats, on top of Kanye. Probably some Kanye. All of that. Yeah. yeah. All of that. All and, of it. And in fact, the 444 shows where he did like, at the end, just like a run of all his hits, like, quick you know a verse and a chorus and or some just dropping choruses and i've probably seen him 20 times but i mean just the amount of hits is insane to me so i'm glad that y'all did this one though um i'm going to vote for timbaland uh it's just different vibes and the song comparisons i still like those other ones better like jigawet jigahoo and big pimpin and i mean there's so many. Is that your chick? It doesn't even matter if they have similar sounds. They all sound great. So it's mm. like, mm, those yeah. are the ones that I would still yeah. want to hear. If you're going to play some throwbacks of him, I don't really want to hear some of the more like slower. Mel- I don't want to hear it. So <laughs> all right. All right. I do think if it was just the, the producer teams against each other, not with the Jay-Z element, it would be way different. But for right, me... Right. Yeah. Yeah. With the Jay Z element, I'd rather hear Timbaland songs. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Understood. I can understood. That. Fair, fair. All right. Melissa, what's good? This is awful. Um <laughs> I love Jay Z. I've seen I haven't seen him twenty times, but I've seen him three times. To me, he is perfect and he can do no wrong with any song at all. I love them Same. all. <laughs> so <laughs> I I truly cannot I was trying to, you know, pick which argument was better and y'all made the same argument like there (laughs) there wasn't differences in the arguments that you made i can't say that one person argued better um so i have to go with the tie with this one because i just think everything is great that's fair that's fair that's fair all right all right i mean so to all our listeners, you know what that means. Once again, you know. Come on, y'all. It's somewhat of a tiebreaker. So we need y'all to hashtag behind the wheels pod. Let us know who y'all feel made the better uh, music as a combo. Was it the Neptunes, meaning Pharrell and Chad and Jay, or was it Timbaland and, and Jay? I right. Mean, Don't hashtag us and just say yeah. Pharrell because it won't count. Yeah. You got to vote for the actual yeah. Neptunes, like not just one person. 
Not not the Neptune, you know. Not the he Neptune. Be, they could, he be, that could take away from your votes. You could. <laughs> See, listen, not listen. Thinking. Oh, I you're mean, right. You're right. You're right. You never mind. We will accept either Chad <laughs> or you could just put Virginia and we're going to we going to give it give the vote to the Neptunes. Hey, hey, they, they all Virginia. You know, Virginia did their thing with, with all of them. And I'm still tripping that Pharrell and Timbaland are cousins. I didn't know that till the last couple of years. And I'm just like. I didn't even. I mean, you just taught me something right here. So, wow. They're actual cousin cousins. Not just like like distant, but like they grew up together type deal. And wow, I didn't know that because I, I would assume that they had like, that they would have stayed together and made the same stuff together. But they got yeah. different styles, you know. And then, you know, yeah. Tim, the, like when Tim got with Missy and Magoo. Yeah. And everything they were doing, like Pharrell wasn't ready yet. Like I, I'll it's be true. real yeah, about that. Yeah. Pharrell wasn't ready yet, so Tim had to do what yeah. he had to do. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, yeah. So, everybody who's listening, who's tuned in, we appreciate you. Please send us an email if you have any suggestions for future uh, future episodes, whether it's about the drop, whether it's about the rewind or fast forward segments or the beat match. Send us an email at behindthewheelspod at gmail also, please rate and review us on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. It helps other listeners uh, to find our show. So we appreciate y'all for being tuned in so much. We appreciate our special guest, Miss Naledi Sek in the oh, building. yes. Music VP, royalty. Music royalty right there. Music executive in the building. So Concert connoisseur. Yep, yeah, that's what she is, of course. And we appreciate our producer, Melissa, for always holding us down. So, Man. yeah, all the time. You can find me at DJRTISTIC on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on TikTok, so tell your kids to follow me on TikTok. I need the kids to follow me on there because that's what that's all they talk about now. Let me let me keep on evolving. <laughs> EB, what you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell your kids. <laughs> Listen, y'all tell your kids to follow artistic on uh, uh, TikTok. But you can find me uh, at eb 4 Prez, EB, mm. the number four, and Prez is spelled P-R-E-Z as in zebra, on any platform. I am on a small social media break. Um, it's a fake oh, social okay. media break because I'm still watching what y'all say, so don't get out of pocket. Um, but Watch uh, you, yeah, I'm still watching, and I, when I come back, I will address each and every one. But, uh, yeah, follow me. I'm, I'm a good time when I'm posting. Definitely so, definitely so. Well, we appreciate y'all. Once again, and yeah, once again on my TikTok, I ain't doing no dances or nothing. So, but hey, if it'll make your kids watch, I'll do whatever it is. You gotta do at least one, at least one. All right, I'll do that. That Jersey uh, anniversary moonwalking challenge, whatever, whatever they doing this week, whatever it is, whatever it is. So we appreciate y'all, and until next time, artistic signing out. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Montz and the Lady Set, and the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.